This morning we want to do a rather detailed study of Colossians 3, verse 17, the latter half of this verse. Normally we start at the beginning of the verse, maybe the middle of the verse, but this morning we're going to do something a little different. We're going to start at the end of our text. And not only are we going to start at the end of Colossians 3, verse 17, we're going to start at the end of uh, the section that uh, we need instead of what we don't need. As you look at Colossians 3, verse 17, you can almost chop this verse in half. And we are going to chop off, if you will, part of the verse, the part of the verse that says, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. After we dismiss that part of the verse, we want to begin with the end of what's left. And if you are looking at the verse, you'll see, I think, in about the middle of the verse, the expression, the Lord Jesus. Well, the expression, Lord Jesus, is used more than a hundred times in the New Testament. And if you look at where these passages are and what they describe, you might be surprised at what you find. You might suspect that the Lord Jesus is mentioned several times in Matthew through John, but that's simply not the case. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you find the Lord Jesus being referred to only twice. One of these references is Mark 16, verse 19. The other reference is Luke 24, verse 3. And in each case, you have information that occurs after Jesus' resurrection. The expression, Lord Jesus, is typically found in Acts through Revelation. And as you look at this expression, you begin to associate some interesting things with it. In fact, if you would like a fascinating Bible study this week, pull out a concordance, or maybe use a computer or a Bible program to see where the expression, Lord Jesus, is used. If you were to do this, you would find... That the, this designation for Jesus shows the Lord's importance. It shows the Lord's power. It shows the Lord's authority. To give you a few illustrations of this, if you were to look at Acts 11, verse 17, you would find there that people are told to believe, but they're told to believe in the Lord Jesus. He's the one where people need to have their faith. The Bible speaks about being baptized into the Lord Jesus, Acts 8, verse 16. The Bible says that it is the Lord Jesus that possesses grace, Acts 15, verse 11. It is the Lord Jesus who is so important, the Bible says he's worth risking our lives for, Acts 15, verse 26. It is also the Lord Jesus who's worth dying for, Acts 21, verse 13. The Lord Jesus is like the second song that Brian used this morning in our song service. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the head over all things. Well, now that we know who Paul's talking about in Colossians 3, verse 17, the Lord Jesus, let's back up just a little bit more and see what is found next in this important passage. Prior to referring to the Lord Jesus, Paul in Colossians 3, verse 17, refers to the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul spoke about doing things in the name of of the Lord Jesus. Well, this statement is not unlike what we find in our world. In our culture, there are times where people speak about doing something in the name of someone or something. As we look at the expression in the name in our culture, we find that in the name is another way of describing authority. If this week we have a police officer uh, come to our house and knocks on the door and says, in the name of the law, open your door. Well, what's he mean? Or what does she mean? He or she would mean in the name of or by the authority of the law. As I'm a deputy sheriff or as I'm um, a detective, in the name of the law, open up your home. The same thing happens if we're stopped on the road. 
If we have been spitting, uh, it is in the name of the law. It is by the authority of the law that the officer stops us and perhaps tickets us. We find as we look at our culture, there are some people who kill in the name of God. Well, that's not right. But when people say we're killing, we're taking a life in the name of God, they're saying we're taking a life by God's authority. When we put the expression in the name, that is by the authority, with the words Lord Jesus, we begin to see an important point, an important Bible point. At least some of the things in life can be done in the name or by the authority of Jesus Christ. Just as some things can be done by the authority or in the name of the government, such is also true of Jesus. Now, if this is all the information that we were uh, to possess as far as Colossians 3 verse 17 uh, goes, it probably wouldn't be all that relevant to us. But as we back up in this verse little by little, we begin to see some additional words that provide a great deal of spiritual insight. In every translation that I checked, the word do is used two times in Colossians 3 verse 17. Paul talked about doing various things. He said what we do, the activities that we engage in, he says these are to be done in the name. They are to be done by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now someone might say, well, that's, that's fine by me. I don't have any problem doing things by Jesus' authority. If something comes up and I can do that by Jesus' authority, I will do it. Well, that's a commendable attitude, but that's not really what Paul is saying in Colossians 3 verse 17. Let's back up a little bit more as far as Colossians 3 verse 17 goes and see what else we find in this verse. Now, we know who the Lord is. The Lord Jesus is the one who has all authority. The Lord even claimed that in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. We also know that we're to act. We also know that we are to do some things in the name of Jesus by his authority. But what are these things to be done? Where are these things to be done? Do you, as you're backing up, hopefully in Colossians 3 verse 17, also see the word all? The Bible says all. Every single thing is to be done in the name, or we might say by the authority of the Lord Jesus. The Lord has all authority, Matthew 28 verse 18. And the Lord says, if you're going to do something, whatever that is, you do it by my authority, my power. Now, there are times in life when the word all needs to be clarified or qualified. Suppose, for example, someone were to say to us today, take out all the trash. Well, they do not mean as far as picking up or taking out all the trash. They don't mean all the trash in Elkhart County. They do not mean when they say all the trash, all the trash in the entire U.S., there are some cases where the word all is qualified or it's limited. Now, as we look at the word all in Colossians 3 verse 17, is it qualified? Is there anything that limits it? Well, if we back up a little bit more in Colossians 3 verse 17, we find some more words that help us. Prior to Paul saying do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, we find the word deed, D-E-E-D. The word deed describes activity. And notice how that word deed or that activity is associated, it's joined, it's connected with the word all. Paul says all our activities, all our deeds, they need to be done in the name or by the authority of Jesus. Now that's a startling idea. And it is a concept which opens the door to a lot of questions. Before we consider the implications of doing all, in the name or by the authority of the Lord Jesus, let's pay attention to something else. If we back up a little more in Colossians 3 verse 17, what key word do we find before the word deed? Well, I think if your translation is like most, it will have the word word. Like the word deed, the word word 
is also associated with, it's also joined with doing all in the name or by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do, whether that is in word, speaking something, saying something, or doing something, Paul says it needs to be authorized. It needs to be sanctioned. It needs to have divine permission by or from the Lord Jesus. Now you're thinking, well, you know, this is interesting. In some respects, it may sound a little complicated. Uh, How do we tell this stuff together? Before we do that, let me add one more piece of information from the text. Let's back up just a little further in Colossians 3, verse 17. Do we have another key word in this passage? Yes, we do. We find, as we look at the first part of the verse, the word whatsoever. Join, if you will, as you look at this passage, the word whatsoever with the word all. Two different ways to emphasize that we're talking about every single thing. Now, with all the information before us, let's try to tie it together and then start making some points of application. Whatever we do, all things that we do, whether those things are in the area of speech or whether those things are in the area of activities, deeds, the Bible says we can only do what the Lord Jesus Christ has authorized us to do. A couple of years ago, there was a preacher presenting this truth in a local congregation, and as he was going through this information, I think it was in a Bible class, he received some very strong criticism. After the preacher talked about needing authority for every single thing that we do, word and deed, someone replied in this way, well, preacher, brushing my teeth is an activity. And you may not do it, but I do. Are you telling me that I need authority from Jesus Christ to brush my teeth? And then another person, or maybe the same person, spoke up with a related question. This person says, well, I mow my lawn. Are you telling me, Mr. Preacher, that I need Jesus' authority to mow my grass? Well, we can understand how people might have these kinds of questions. They might seem like natural questions. Preacher was a little frustrated. But his answer was yes. When Paul says whatsoever and all in Colossians 3 verse 17, I agree that brushing teeth is an act, and I'm willing to go on record. This preacher said, and I'm affirming the same thing, that even for these kinds of activities, we need Jesus' authority. Let's think about mowing our grass or brushing our teeth in view of Colossians 3, verse 17. Who is the Lord Jesus? That's where we started. Is he not the one who is over all things? Is he not the Lord of lords, the King of kings, Revelation 19, verse 16? Is he not the one who has all authority over people and things? Matthew 28, verse 18, he is. It is because of the Lord Jesus' position that whatever we do, in word or in deed, that activity must be authorized by Him. Now somebody says, well, let's see. What about brushing the teeth? Let's go back to that illustration. Do I really need Jesus' authority to brush my teeth? Can I find authority from the Lord Jesus to brush my teeth? Yes, we can. You remember how from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Paul describes the body as a temple. That's his illustration for the human body. Our physical abode, that is the structure that we live within, it is something that needs to be maintained. It's something that needs to be cared for. It's something that, to the best of our ability, we need to protect. Well, part of that physical structure involves teeth. Does the brushing of teeth help maintain our physical body? Yes or no? Well, most people would say, well, it does. Well... If brushing the teeth helps maintain the physical body, then based on 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, we have authority from the Lord Jesus to brush our teeth. Now somebody says, well, what about the other illustration? What about mowing the grass? Does Jesus authorize us to mow our lawn? 
related questions would be, we have a house with peeling paint. Does the Lord Jesus somehow authorize me to paint a peeling house? Does it authorize me to repair a leaky roof? We could ask literally uh, dozens if not hundreds of questions. Two chapters prior to 1 Corinthians 6, we have 1 Corinthians 4. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2, the Bible says, it is required in stewards that they be faithful. If we're a steward of something, God says you need to be faithful with it. Well, if we've got grass on our property, being a faithful steward means that we need to tend to that grass. We need to cut the grass. If we have a house with peeling paint, being a good steward means that we have the authority, we have the right to paint that house. If we have a leaky roof, roof, being a good steward means that we have the authority to fix that roof and so forth. If people want to try to test Colossians 3 verse 17 with silly questions, we can humor them for a while. But after we humor people about the questions related to brushing the teeth and uh, painting a peeling house and so forth, we need to turn their attention to what matters. And what matters is the spiritual part of life. When we look at the spiritual realm, everything that's said, everything that is done needs to somehow be authorized by Jesus Christ in his word. Colossians 3 verse 17 is a passage which does apply in the spiritual realm. And this fact, the first half of Colossians 3 verse 17 is one of the most important verses in the Bible if we are interested in the Christian life in our day and time. It does not take us very long to look around in the religious world and we find people who wear special religious clothing. Or they are this or they're that and they ask to be called by a certain lofty religious title. The next time we see someone wearing special religious garb, the next time we hear a person say, call me father, call me rabbi, call me so-and-so, Colossians 3 verse 17 needs to pop into our minds. Where is the authority for your special religious clothing? Where is the authority for the religious title that you want to be called by? Colossians 3 verse 17 says, Whatever you do, all things, they need to be done whether in word or deed, by the name, by the authority, not just of Jesus, but by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now the world comes along and says, Oh, now wait a minute, that's not necessary. It's extreme, it's crazy, it can't be done. But you know the very words that the people are using when they say these kinds of things, they're not authorized by God. If we're going to accept the words of men, the Bible is a useless book for us. Shouldn't even own a copy if we're going to obey the words of men. In addition to special clothing, the religious titles that we hear, consider, if you will, some of the other things that we find associated with modern-day religion. A person might say to us, I go to this church, this denomination, and I really like my denomination. Well, when people make that statement to us, and most of us have heard someone make that statement at various times, Colossians 3 verse 17 should again spring to mind. Where in the Bible are denominations authorized? Whatever you do in word or deed, it's got to be authorized by the Lord Jesus. Where is that religious group authorized? Well, as we look at the New Testament, Christ has not authorized denominations. Now if we were to say to a person, well, where's your denomination authorized in the New Testament? The person might be confused. Many think that they do not need authority for their deeds, their activities, and their words. But that's simply contrary to what Paul said. Colossians 3 verse 17 is the key. It is the key to solving so many of the religious differences and questions and errors in our day and time. Consider, if you will, some of the other ways in which this passage is quite helpful. One religious group says, we're going to meet on Saturday. That's going to be the day that we come and honor God. Another group says, we're going to meet on Sunday. A third group says, we're going to meet on Monday. Which of these groups is right? 
Are they all right? Are they all wrong? Does God even care? He cares. Colossians 3 verse 17, in the name by the authority of Jesus Christ, whatever you do, word or deed, you've got to have authority from God in His word to do it. When we find out how God has ruled, when we find out what God has authorized, we do it that way and refuse to do it any other way. If we do it some other way, then we create our own law and we act without divine authority. This point can also be related to baptism. There are some religious groups that say, well, we sprinkle people. Another religious group says we pour water on people. Another group says we immerse people in water. Well, these are all different activities as far as baptism is concerned. Different modes, different methods. Colossians 3 verse 17 tells us that we need to ask, what has God authorized? What has Jesus sanctioned? If Jesus has not sanctioned sprinkling, if it's not authorized by him in the New Testament, sprinkling is wrong. If he's not authorized pouring water on people, if the Bible doesn't authorize immersion, then what's not authorized is unacceptable. It's not uncommon in our day and time for religious groups to have female preachers. The next time a lady minister comes to our mind, comes to our attention, we need to think back to Colossians 3, verse 17. Where's the authorization for a woman minister? Now somebody says, well, I just don't think it matters. That's not what God says. God says, whatever you do, all things, word or deed, they need to be authorized, they need to be sanctioned, not only by Jesus, but by the Lord Jesus. Religious groups. As we look at them, they are today organized in a lot of different ways. Some religious groups are organized locally. Some religious groups are organized nationally. And some are international as far as organization. Some religious groups have a headquarters. And some do not. Does God care how a religious group is authorized? Yes, He does. Whatever you do. Word or deed... It all has to be done. It all has to be done by the authority of Jesus. God cares about what people do on this earth. And Colossians 3 verse 17 says we need to care as well. We need to care a lot. We must have Jesus' authority for what we say and what we do. Now what's been expressed this morning also helps answer the questions about instrumental music and New Testament worship. When people have a chance to visit with a congregation of the Lord's Church, they often wonder and sometimes ask, why is there no instrumental music in your assembly when you worship? Do you hate instruments? Can't you afford an organ? Is there no piano player or drummer in your midst? The answer is found in Colossians 3 verse 17. Whatever we do, it has to be authorized. There must be authority for it. We must have permission for it because the Lord Jesus is overall. If we're going to have instrumental music, where is the authority for it in the New Testament? If there is no authorization for it, we have no right. We have no permission to have it, to add it. Where or how has Christ authorized this activity which is so common in today's world? You know, Jesus once said, John 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, this is just another way of saying what we find in Colossians 3, verse 17. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, because I'm the Lord Jesus, you will do only what I've authorized. There are a lot of people, hundreds of thousands now living, who say, oh, we love Jesus. But they do not abide by his authority. They virtually ignore what we find in Colossians 3, verse 17. If we truly love Christ, We will use the authority teaching in Colossians 3 verse 17. Whether it's word, whether it's deed, all things will be done that have been authorized by Christ. 
The question then this morning is, will we submit, will we fully submit to Jesus as far as obeying Him in word and in deed? When it comes to becoming a Christian, what has God authorized? He's authorized, He requires people to believe. We don't teach belief because this is something that we think is a good idea, but it's been authorized by God. We teach repentance, turning from sin. Why? Because that's what Christ has authorized. We teach confession. Why? Because that's what Christ has authorized. We teach baptism by immersion. Why? Because Christ has authorized that. We teach baptism by immersion, Romans 6, 1 through 4, so people can have the forgiveness of sins. That's what Christ has authorized, Acts 2, verse 38. We teach that He's established one church, Matthew 16, 18, because that's what He's authorized. And we teach faithfulness to Christ regardless of the circumstances because that's what he's authorized. Revelation 2 verse 10, faithful to death. What will separate the righteous from the unrighteous is that the righteous will follow what Christ has done, what he's authorized. And they'll commit that, commit to that way of life throughout their time on earth. This morning, if we understand the need to only do what Christ has authorized, nothing more, nothing less, have we started down that road? Have we become a Christian by faith, repentance, confession, baptism? And now as we seek to live the Christian life, are we committed to doing only what the Lord Jesus has authorized? No additions to it. No subtractions to it. Just His will and His way every day of our life. That's going to determine whether or not we go to heaven or hell at the end of time. If you're not on the right way, if you have some questions as far as whether or not you're on the right way, be sure that you know what Christ has authorized. If you have decided to commit to that way, but for some reason you've been struggling in some areas, this morning we'd like to encourage you to pray with you, to study with you, to do what's necessary so you can be on what Jesus referred to as a narrow way in His Sermon on the Mount. This morning, if we're not committed to doing what only Christ has authorized, let's make that commitment. Let's do it now as we stand and sing the selected song.